Once upon a time, Sweden was one of the poorest countries in Europe. People starved, died from different infectious diseases, child mortality was skyrocketing. But then, something happened. So, Sweden's uh, a bit of a weird and interesting country. A social, holistic, capitalistic system with the touch of the Nordic Lights. In the beginning of the 20th century, a fast development towards a modern welfare state took place. The Wallenbergs were arm in arm together with the socialistic government to solve a challenge for the country. And the jewel of the crown was a generous, inclusive, high-performing healthcare system. I think the main character of the Swedish healthcare system is that it is um, universal and open for all. But time has caught up. Healthcare systems around the world are under great strain. Most of the world and all of Europe is facing the same demographic crisis. We're getting older, we're consuming more healthcare, but we're not getting more people working in healthcare. So the equation doesn't add up. You're listening to the Sweecare podcast. We'll gather world-leading experts in healthcare and life science. You'll get to meet politicians, researchers, clinicians and entrepreneurs, all of them committed to improving health and reshaping healthcare systems. Sweecare believes in international collaboration and joining forces to address the healthcare challenges we all share. My name is Maria Helling, and I'm the CEO of Suica Foundation. You know, I've always thought of AI as the most profound technology humanity is working on, more profound than fire or electricity or anything that we have done in the past. We are developing technology, which for sure one day will be far more capable than anything we have ever seen before. Sweden is a country of early adopters and a pioneer in the digital transformation of healthcare. We have heard a lot about artificial intelligence, AI, and digitalization of healthcare lately. The digital transformation taking care of now in Sweden is an ongoing journey. We embarked that almost two decades ago when we chose to move into the first EMR systems. So in Sweden, we have been quite digital mature for a long time. What we're doing now is to transform the healthcare services, going from digitalization into truly digital workflows. Imagine a surgeon who operates from 400 kilometers away. AI, diagnosing your disease better than your doctor. The white halls of the hospitals replaced by the familiar environment of your own home. In this episode, we will look closer upon the opportunities of digitalization and artificial intelligence in healthcare. And it might sound futuristic, but this is exactly what is happening right now in healthcare. It is a spring day at the Swedish west coast. We're at Vitalis, 
the largest e-health event in Scandinavia. One of today's keynote speakers is a humanoid avatar called Andy AI. He, uh, or it, will give a lecture on what AI thinks about AI in healthcare. Sweden's Minister for Health, Akko Ankaberg Johansson, is on site to inaugurate the day. This country, up in the north of Europe, has gathered world-leading speakers representing everything from Silicon Valley to the World Health Organization. Among them, healthcare professionals and patients. Beside Andy AI and the minister, there was another speaker who attracted great attention. When Jonathan Elitsky entered the stage, the crowd gathered. This was clearly the highlight of the day. Jonathan has a deep passion for healthcare and has worked clinically as a doctor, researched and led an innovation team at Platform 24. Today, he's principal at Sweden's Venture Capital Fund. Back home in the capital, we reconnected with him to get a deeper understanding of what he thinks AI means for healthcare. I'd say that there are 10 million important reasons. So... According to the WHO, we lack around 10 million healthcare workers around the world. And not only that, the, the workers we have spend 20 to 25% of their time on administration and documentation. And the remaining time, well, much of that's spent on asking patients the same standardized algorithmic questions. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why healthcare systems all around the world are struggling. And we can't magically create 10 million doctors and nurses. But imagine if we could automate the administration and documentation. Imagine if we could automate the standardized questions so that conversations between a doctor and a patient focused on what really matters rather than, you know, standardized impersonal questions. And it might sound futuristic, but this is exactly what is happening right now in healthcare. So thanks to digitalization and AI, we're seeing unprecedented improvements. And that's, that's a really good reason. AI could help us addressing the issue of lack of healthcare professionals, an issue that most countries struggle with. But is this the only benefit? So there, there are lots of different types of benefits, but I think one very concrete one is accessibility. So, for example, in Sweden we have a medical hotline, 1177, that anyone can call. And you call to get guidance on if you should seek care and how you should do that. And for the past years, the median waiting time has been around 20 minutes. And for the past decade, around every fourth call goes unanswered. So imagine you're a patient, you're calling this hotline because you need help, you don't know what to do, and every fourth time, you don't get an answer. And that's a problem worth solving. Uh, so what's happened in Sweden is that uh, nearly all of our healthcare regions have introduced digital front doors with AI components. So patients can digitally enter their symptoms, describe what they need help with, and they get automated, personalized advice on if and how they should seek care. Uh, and that's one of the things I've been working with at Platform 24. Uh, and in 19 of the Swedish 21 regions, we've started implementing these kind of solutions, which has made healthcare much more accessible and effective for patients. So, digital front doors and AI components when seeking care increase accessibility. During the last few years, the demand for online consultations and digital health providers have exploded in Sweden. With solutions from Platform 24, Doctrine and Visiba Care, Swedes now easily get in touch with their doctor. 
But what's in it for the providers then? Well, the providers are pushing this. And that's the second, like the other side of the coin. When you digitalize healthcare processes, you can increase efficiency in uh, a way you can't do with manual improvements. So uh, one of the healthcare providers we worked with uh, introduced a digital pathway for administrative errands. So if a patient contacted a healthcare provider to do something, you know, they want to see their documents or they want to change their upcoming appointment, and they measured the time before and after, and, and they measured a 68% reduction in the time spent on admin. 68%. And, and you know, you, you, you can't achieve those kind of improvements with manual systems. And that's, why I think, why many providers are looking to digitalization to help them solve their, their challenges. When listening to Jonathan, AI and digitalization sound like tools that really could improve healthcare. Is this the whole truth? Are there downsides? Can we afford it? Well, if you, you put into context, most of the world and all of Europe is facing the same demographic crisis. We're getting older, we're consuming more healthcare, but we're not getting more people working in healthcare. So the equation doesn't add up. So somehow we have to be able to deliver more healthcare or more healthcare outcomes per person or per um, dollar spent in the healthcare system. Um, and it's really a question of scale, which we often underestimate. Brains aren't wired to understand large numbers and scale. And, and that's the thing with digitalization. Um, it's cheaper because it scales in a way that manual changes and improvements doesn't. And, and that's why we're seeing investments all across Europe in digitalizing healthcare systems. And what about the challenges? So there are many different obstacles. You know, there, there are regulatory obstacles, there are technical obstacles, there are um, medical and scientific obstacles. But most of those you can overcome. I mean, the, the one common red thread that I've seen across the different countries I've worked with is leadership. So it's easy and it's almost easier to continue as you've always done. So it's a lot easier to continue delivering care the same way that you've always done, uh, but it's outright painful to have to change things. You know, to invest in solving problems in a long-term perspective rather than just for this one budget year. And my favorite example is that this really weird thing happens when you digitalize healthcare because suddenly user experience and user interface becomes a really important part of what affects a medical outcome. And UX and UI, that's not a medical thing. So this new world comes into the medical sphere, which you, from a traditional medical perspective, don't understand that the size or color of a button can affect whether or not a patient is adherent to their treatment or if they seek care in the right place at the right time. Um, and I think... That's a good example of leadership, that courageous leaders have to realize that healthcare is changing and that we have to also develop new capabilities in the healthcare system to manage that. Uh, so, so I'm not saying it's easy, but I think uh, the one thing that's always needed, from my experience, is courageous leadership. There are also a lot of discussions on the risks of AI and the need for regulation. During the spring of 2023, Elon Musk and a number of tech profiles called for a six-month pause in the development of AI. The technological advances and how they can affect our societies is clearly a key issue of our time. What are the major risks in implementing more advanced technology in healthcare? There are tons of risks. <laughs> so, I mean, all major technological advances in healthcare have had big risks. And, uh, you know, digital platforms and AI is no exception. Um, and I think the challenge here is that in order to, to weigh the benefits against the risks, you have to kind of understand the technology to some extent. 
Jonathan points at risks at three levels. So first of all, that AI systems are wrong. So these new uh, large language models like ChatGPT are a great example. You know, they can answer to lots of interesting questions, but they also hallucinate. They make up stuff which isn't true. And if you're writing a poem to a friend, that's fine. But if you're trying to figure out how to treat a patient, that can be devastating. So that's one major risk. So the system can hallucinate. And the second risk could be that it's biased. Even if a system isn't wrong, it might be biased in its answer. So it's just right about, it's about right enough for you to accept the answer, but it's actually biased. And there are historical examples where this has gone really bad. Uh, there was a legal software which was used in the States for a while, um, for several years, uh, which judges used uh, when they tried to predict if a, um, a person on trial had a high risk of committing a new crime within two years. And after a bunch of years, some journalists realized that the system was extremely biased. Uh, so people of color were treated unfairly on a large scale. Um, so, so that's another big risk. And similarly in healthcare, it can be difficult to discover that kind of bias. And how about the third risk then? It's not a human being. And there are many things in healthcare where we need a human being. You know, imagine that you or a loved one has a, has a serious condition. Uh, and imagine that... Uh, the only comfort you get is from a digital system which says, I'm really sorry. <laughs> that sounds really frustrating. And you know it's a robot. There are studies on this showing that um, if, you get a, if patients get a message um, which they deem as empathetic, if they find out that it comes from a, a robot, they'll deem it as less empathetic, which I find pretty natural. So I think it's important to remember that AI can automate many different things, but there are some things it'll never replace. So... Systems can hallucinate, be biased, quite devastating when it comes to treatment of patients. Last but not least, it is not human. And human empathy and experience is actually something irreplaceable sometimes. But are we sure that this would be more efficient? Sometimes sounds like human beings must monitor the systems anyway. Is there a risk for double work? So for many new technologies, for example, when we started introducing AI in radiology, you didn't let the AIs go loose and give final answers by themselves, but they were rather decision support, which recommended or suggested an assessment, and then a physician did the final sign-off. And that's also what we're starting to see with these new generation of AI models, that they might suggest a message or suggest a treatment, suggest a a summary of of a note, and then you have the physician or nurse signing off. So... AI used as decision support then? So there's really interesting research showing that um, these large language models can um, achieve 85% correct answers on um, on data sets which are equivalent to the exams you do in the States when you when you um, want to work as a doctor. And 85% might sound like a low bar to meet, but it's actually a quite high bar to meet. That means you have a system which has more up-to-date and concise medical knowledge than almost any other doctor. So uh, I'm convinced we're going to see a a, a leap when it comes to clinical decision supports in the near future. So we have gone through risks and opportunities with the use of digitalization and AI. And Jonathan has also described the interesting journey that Sweden has gone through and why many initiatives in this field were born here. We are clearly at the doorstep of something new 
What is his prediction of the future of healthcare? So if we look at the history of, of healthcare, I think we have the right to be positive. So during 50 years, we raised the life expectancy in the OECD by 10 years. And today we can treat and cure diseases that were a death sentence 20 years ago. Um, in Sweden, we halved the mortality and incidence of uh, uh, heart attacks during a period of 15 years, which is incredible. And I think we've improved so much historically, I think we have the right to be optimistic about the future. And I think, I think we'll have a future where digital systems and AI have radically decreased administration, where clinical staff doesn't spend a sizable minority of their day documenting things. Uh, we're for, we're calling the first line of care doesn't mean calling a phone line and waiting for 20 minutes, but rather chatting to an automated triage bot and getting uh, the right advice and the right level of care directly. And if you do need to have a follow-up visit somewhere, also immediately getting advice on what you can do to help yourself with that ailment. I think we'll have a future where chronic conditions, which is something that takes a lot of resources in healthcare, won't be managed like today with a one-size-fits-none template with an annual visit, regardless of how the patient feels. I think patients will be able to measure themselves at home, and the clinicians will have digital systems which alert them when patients start to deteriorate, so you can act early and preventatively. And I know this might sound futuristic, uh, but I'm optimistic because this, this is what's happening in Sweden right now. So will Sweden continue to be in the forefront when it comes to this development? It can always go faster. And yes, it could always be better. But a lot of things are improving. And that's why I think the future is bright. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sweecare podcast. My name is Maria Helling. And today's guest was Jonathan Ilitsky, principal at Sweden's Venture Capital Fund. You also heard voices of Christian Kink, entrepreneur and founder of companies like Baktigard and Smartsella, Agneta Karlsson, Director General at the Dental and Pharmaceutical Benefits Agency and former State Secretary at the Swedish Ministry of Health and Social Affairs, and Bobo Hallberg, CEO of Salgrenska University Hospital, and Sundar Pichai, CEO of Google, taken from CBS News. To further explore the Swedish experience and solutions, visit healthbysweden.com. Do you have any thoughts about today's episode or suggestions on a future topic or guest? Reach out to podcast at sweetcare.se and make sure to follow Sweetcare in social media and get the latest updates. 